0: This morning, I want to turn to the prophet Hosea chapter 11 and use this as a launching pad for what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart on this Mother's Day. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Hosea and then stand as we receive this word together. We're going to read down through the entire chapter here, beginning with verse 1. Hear God's word for us this morning. When Israel was a child. I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bales, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love, to them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent a sword will flash in their cities it will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans my people are determined to turn away from me even though they call me God most high I will by no means exalt them how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God, and not a man. The Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion, and when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come from Egypt, trembling like sparrows, from Assyria, fluttering like doves. I will settle them in their homes, declares the Lord. May God add his blessing to that word. Please be seated. Well, let me wish you a happy Mother's Day. I don't think I've done that yet. And uh, of course, we are blessed uh, in our home to have each of our kids back. Uh, Micah and Faith are back home from college and Joshua's been living with us and Caleb and Megan will be with us as well. So our dinner table is gonna be full this afternoon. But there are some people, you know, whose Mother's Day is just a simple day of unfettered joy and gratitude and blessing. But you know, over the years of ministry, I've also learned that Mother's Day is often more complex than that. Maybe you've lost your mom, or maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you want to become a mom, and it hasn't happened. Maybe you terminated a pregnancy, and you're lost in guilt. Maybe you are a mom, and yet your relationship with your kids are Distant is distant and cold. I, I don't know where you come at this day this morning, but I want to be sensitive to that, and I simply want to say this to everyone here this morning. This is a home for you. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the things he came to do was establish a new family, and I just want you to hear that I am so very, very glad that you're here. The truth is, and maybe you need to hear this, if you are thinking about starting a family, being a parent is not a Hallmark card experience. You know, I, I know when our firstborn came along. You know, come on. I had this idealized, romanticized view, this this picture in my mind of what it was going to be like to take care of this little one. Caleb was so tiny. He was a very smiley baby, and I remember, wow, putting him in that car seat the first time, taking him home from the hospital. Unbelievable that they were going to let someone like me take a little boy like him. But I also remember, and it wasn't too long thereafter, beginning to play these little games at night. You might know how these games go. You know, it'd be 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and I'd hear him cry in the middle of the night, and I would just kind of lie there, acting as if I didn't hear him until Mary heard him and then she would get up and then almost a little groggily I'd act like I was going to get up too and wait and just know that she'd say well never mind Jeff and, and, and she'd go on and I'd get sleep so i get a little partial credit for wanting to get up but I was cheating the whole time I was not like Jesus at all in those moments my 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 wife, at the time, was able to stay home full-time, but let me also remind you, it was not a season of serene happiness. In fact, I asked her, you don't seem to be serenely happy. Why not? She wasn't serenely happy about the question, to be frank. Uh, She said, Jeff, you have no idea what it's like to have somebody you have to constantly clean up after who you're always having to feed, where you're at their beck and call non-stop. And now, in addition to you, I have this baby. <laughs> it's exhausting. And then the kids grow up, don't they? And they don't tell you this when you start out. No, 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 they don't tell you. It's not when they start to walk that it gets easier, or when they go off to school that it gets better, or when they hit 18. You never, never stop being a parent and carrying this burden. The kids grow up, and they make decisions and choices, and some of them are good, and some of them are not so good. And sometimes, and let's be honest, their decisions can hurt you because you know it will end up hurting them. And so as a result, as a mom or as a dad, we, we carry this sense of guilt. And can I say it? Even maybe this disappointment. Where, where do you go when your heart's disappointed? Disappointed. You know, as I was thinking about it this week, I can't help but recall that the story of Scripture is actually a story of a parent whose relationship with his children hasn't gone so well. The Bible is a story of a heavenly father, and it turns out his children have made some poor decisions. Yet, I want you to look at his response, and as we look at that response, we're going to see that this, in fact, is a foundation for us of love, even in those moments of disappointment. Listen to God. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Now, every parent knows that feeling. And out of Egypt, I called my son. You might remember that the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and God led them out. But God says, the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Now, I've got to tell you, this is all of us. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Ephraim is one of the tribes of Israel. God is painting a very intimate, personal Really beautiful picture. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk. Taking them by the arms, but they did not realize it, was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like the one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt and will not Assyria rule over them? In other words, will they not experience judgment? Are they not going to experience the cost of rejecting me? Because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities it will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans their cities become places of violence because they disobey me my people are determined to turn from me and i think you know this is us this is all of us even though they call god me god most high i will by no means exalt them Now, I want you to see here, this is God's heart. This is the parent heart of God. This is, in fact, God's heart toward us this morning. I want you to think about what this means. When I called my little child, they they were nothing special. They were just a ragtag group of slaves in a lost place, and I just loved them. I want you to know that that's God's heart toward you. You were nothing special, nothing to take note of. But I, I taught them how to walk. I'd pick them up. I'd hold them in my arms. I, I'd heal them. I'd, I'd make their wounds better. I, I'd cuddle with them. I'd bend down to feed them, but they didn't know. They, how, how could they not know, God asked. How could they not know it was me? I mean, every time, every time you wake up in the morning and you have air to breathe or food to eat, how do you not know that that's a gift from God? When you go to sleep at night and you you have a, a peaceful moment, when you have all these things, how can you not know that it's God? And yet my children don't. And they run after other gods, other idols. Maybe it's Baal or... Maybe it's sex, or pleasure, or money, or self, or ego. My kids choose something else. You know, as a parent, sometimes you have this image of what you think your, parent, your children are going to turn out as, and you thought it was going to look so different. I thought they were going to be straight-A students, or I thought I was going to be able to put all these bumper stickers on my car. I thought that They were going to play varsity football, or I thought they would get into Harvard. I I thought they'd be in church every Sunday. And it doesn't look like that at all. Here we see God, and he pours out his heart, the heart of a parent who is heartbroken. By the way, as a parent, I guess we should ask the question, if God... Isn't above that kind of disappointment. Why should I be as a mom or as a dad? But the Lord goes on here. And and I want you to see that this is in fact the turning point. This is the hinge of this passage. He says, how can I give you up, Ephraim? Every parent, I think, really knows this. How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I let you just be ruined? I I can't bear to even think such thoughts. Again, this is the Lord speaking. He says, my heart is changed within. All my compassion is aroused. I love what one translation reads. It says, my insides churn. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. And why? Why is he not going to to allow these things to occur? Because they're going to, well, the kids are all going to do fine. They're all going to behave well. They're all going to do perfectly. No, that's not why. He says, because I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. They will follow the Lord. I want you to see this morning, because this is an amazing passage where we see God is in a struggle in a sense. God, by the way, is not struggling with his children. He's not struggling with some outside force. This is God struggling within his own heart. He knows the pain of rejection. He knows the pain of disappointment. But here's the thing, the way this usually works in our lives is this. If you reject me, I'm going to reject you. If you put up a wall against me, I put up a wall against you. He says this, I I, I can't do that because I am God. Because I am the Holy One among you. You know, as I thought about that, to me this is so interesting. The Holy One. That word holy is a word that we don't use very often. It's it's kind of a churchy word. It's kind of a, 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 a weird word. And when we think of holy, and if we attribute that to God, we think it is God's holiness that makes him strict and severe and distant and cold toward us. But what I want you to see this morning as you think about the fact is that because God is holy, That is the reason he chooses to be compassionate and merciful. Actually, then, in this passage, holiness is not an obstacle to love. It's actually the foundation of his love. He says, it's because I am holy. See, in this world, the way it works is, you please me, then I'll please you. You make me feel good about who you are and about who I am. I'll give you the good stuff. You hurt me, however, and I'll hurt you back. But God says here, it is precisely because I am holy that his goodness is unstoppable. That that it doesn't allow him to, to do that. He says, I can't stop loving my children because I promised Love is not a feeling, it's a decision that God has made. It's not a simply warm glow that when you do things right, i love you. When you make me feel good about myself, I'll give you what you want. No, God's love is a promise, and the promise is I will keep loving you. I will keep looking for your good. I will devote myself to your good no matter how you treat me. He says, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. So love, according to God, looks different than sometimes it looks in our world. Sometimes that promise might be a, a wonderful experience, very comforting. Sometimes that experience of love can be challenging to be sure and even painful. But God promises And I want you to know that we have a God who keeps his promise. He loves Israel. He loves his children. Now, I've said all of that, and if you're a parent or you want to be a parent or you know a parent, I want to give you three things to think about and take with you this morning. Three very basic things, but I think could transform how we love our families. Number one is this. Talk to God about your disappointed heart. I know in this place, if you find yourself hurting today, you're not alone. Disappointed in the things that, the things, the way things turned out, maybe in your home, maybe in your family. I want you to know that you can tell God how you feel. Tell him about that hurt. Give it to him. Grieve it. Talk it out. Let him pick you up and dry your tears. You know, we we make this fallacy sometimes. Sometimes we think that the church is a place where people have it all together. And that's why we come to church. That's a lie, isn't it? We, we like to think that families are all fine and individuals are all strong and healthy and have it all together. But let me be very blunt. That's not supposed, that, that's not who we are. We think, well, there's not supposed to be any depression here. There's not supposed to be any addictions here. There's not supposed to be any conflict problems here. Everybody gets along. Families are great, always smiling. The kids always obey. They always follow Jesus. And that's not true. We can shatter that myth. Listen, none of us get it right. This is a place, however, where people can say, apart from God my life is a train wreck. Apart from God, my way is a mess. I know that I am never beyond one bad decision away from ruining it all. But apart from God, I could do nothing. And so this is a place where we come and we bring our disappointed hearts and we're honest with God. And we say, this is where I'm failing. This is where I'm hurting. This is where I'm trusting you. Two, I would say to you parents this morning, don't base the well-being of your heart on the outcome of someone else's life. Even if it's someone you love, even if it's your own child. There's an old saying, I remember hearing it years ago. And I thought it was probably true, it stuck with me, but it said a mother can be no happier than her least happy child. A mother can be no happier than her least happy child. Now that sounds tender, but let me tell you, don't let that be true. Every person, including your child, has to make their own decisions about God and about life. What God did was he sent his only son who showed us what God was like. He came and he died on the cross for your sins and for your children's sins. He showed us the way to experience eternal life through Christ. But every one of us has to make a choice. Every one of us has to make a decision. You can choose me or you can reject me. It's just that. I was reading an interesting article not too long ago that that explains in our culture how we have done a really kind of a strange thing. We have taken the word parent, which is a a wonderful word, which is a, a, a wonderful noun, but we've turned it into a verb. And so we talk about parenting. How well are you parenting? How well? How good a parent are you? Do you parent well? Or are you parenting badly? And, and we put this outcome on our kids to determine how good we are at parenting. Now, I want to just say that parent is a great noun, but it's a poor verb. And I want to explain that because God really doesn't do that, does he? God never looks at his own existence based on how his children are turning out. God doesn't say, well, you know, my kids are doing badly, so I must not have godded them well enough. I should have godded them better than I've done. Maybe I was too lenient, or maybe I was too strict. Maybe they would have done better with another god like Baal, or Zeus, or Moloch, or somebody like that. But God doesn't do that. And I know so many parents who heap this guilt on themselves. And they don't need to do that. Listen, your well-being, your connection with God does not rest on the outcome of your children's lives. Listen, when I, it comes to my children, I love them. I love them with my whole heart. But will I mess it up? Have I messed them up? Probably. Because I'm a sinner. Is there some kind of formula out there where if I just do the right thing and add a little bit of this and have a little bit of that, uh, that, that all the time it will guarantee that my kids will grow up wise, strong, confident, live great, happy lives by putting Jesus first? Is there such a formula out there? Let me tell you, there's wisdom and there's folly There are good things to do and there are bad things to do. That's for sure. But there is no formula. There are no guarantees. And some of you, this is why you came this morning. This is what you need to hear. This is what you need to hear. Love does not mean that I put my personal well-being in the hands of my least emotionally healthy relative. I'm not being callous here. I think empathy is a wonderful thing, but I will tell you the secret. Generally speaking, you'll be a much better mom, dad, friend, brother, sister, child, co-worker, if you are really happy in your life with God. When you have the joy of the Lord and those around you see that, That's going to make the difference. You will have so much more to give away. But if you find yourself just in this guilt and you crawl into that miserable space alongside with that loved one that is miserable too, you will not be able to give them that gift. There's a scripture I came across recently, and I was thinking about this. I had never thought of it this way. But you know, King David... King David, uh, if you know his life, he did a lot of great things, but when it came to family, he messed it up. He wasn't a great husband. He wasn't a great dad. There are a lot of things we could talk about, but that was not a strength for King David. There was a time in his life when he was abandoned by everybody, and this is what it says in the book of 1 Samuel, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want you to think about what that means. You know, it it, it is important to sometimes just encourage ourselves in the Lord, not by our circumstances, not by what we see happening around us, not by the relationships we keep, but simply in the Lord. It, It is painful, I know, to come to a point where I recognize I'm a sinner, I am selfish, I am inadequate. And my ego gets in the way, and, and it, it spills out into my kids. I, I don't think there's anywhere where I am more aware of my need for grace than maybe my marriage and my, my, my relationship with my kids. But when I go to God, and I realize and I remember that God loves me anyway, When I just bask in the knowledge that He chose me, He gave me the gift of the gospel and gave me an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. He he loves me. He just does. It just is. He is holy, and He forgives me. He is with me. He promises to help me. Encourage myself in the Lord, and I live in that. My life is different. Friend, don't live in the misery of anybody who's made a different choice. You decide to live in God and let God be enough. Number three, don't let disappointment blind you to the good elsewhere. What do I mean by that? Listen, when it comes to your relationship with your children, especially in every situation, there will be some stuff that's going to disappoint you. The danger is what? I can start looking at my children. I can start looking at you, and all I see is that part in you that disappoints me. And all I think is, uh, is, is that about you. That's all I see. And this is what happens in so many families. And we have to guard ourselves, parents. As a result, we can unintentionally build this wall, this chasm, if you will, of resentment. If your child only knows that you are disappointed in them, I guarantee you they're not going to want to be around you. If all they hear is, well, this is where we disagree. This is where you got it wrong. Here's where you are messing up. Here's the stuff I don't like seeing you do. Here are your character flaws. Here's what I think about your failings. Once I start communicating to you, you are a disappointment to me. The relationship just starts to die. So we need to be careful. And so we might have these lovely homes and we might try to shape it just so perfectly, but because of withdrawal and isolation and resentment and grudges, those homes become nothing but decorated tombs when it comes to relationships. And so part of what love is, is it seeks and asks God for help. Lord, help me look at this person that I love and see what you see and beyond just what disappoints me. I love the way the Apostle Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 13. Just a very simple phrase, really. Love always looks for the best. It doesn't mean that we live in denial. It just means that, Lord, help me to see what you see in this precious precious child does that make sense this morning I want to pray for you parents because I know you've got a difficult job and sometimes Satan comes along and he tries to, he tries to lie to you about who you are and what you've done he tries to get your eyes off the prize but I want to encourage you in the Lord and I want you to be assured that God is working and and if I would add one more thing to this list then don't you ever stop praying you keep encouraging yourself in the Lord by bringing your child, your family to God let's go before the Lord shall we Father I I realize in some ways it's kind of a heavy message and yet I believe it's the message you would have us reflect on this morning as we consider your heart Lord would you uh, would you have your way and would you give us eyes to see each other in the best possible light Lord uh, We've talked about the tombs that we create, and sometimes by simply communicating our disappointments and our frustrations, Lord, we have killed relationship. But you are a God who revives, restores, renews. You're a God who gives hope. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning we would just surrender to you And choose to live a life of hope and trust. A life that acknowledges that you are God. And you are good. And that Lord you'd make us more like you. That you are the holy one. But you want to make us holy. So Lord may we be willing to lay down our resentments. And our disappointments. May we be willing to tear down the walls that separate us from those that we love and may instead lord we find that in you we can find joy and mercy grace and peace Lord, may this be a holy time on this mother's day where we just give you our families because we know that you love them each of our children more than we do and we thank you for that